0: Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hooper. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Your Name? My name is my Huber, and I'm the host of What Was Your Name. Uh today I am here with my guest, Caroline Markle Hammond. And I don't know why I sang that just now. I was like, Hammond. <laughs> I love that you did it. Thank you. <laughs> this is so funny. Um, <laughs> I'm very tired, and we're here to record an episode for you because uh, it's important. And every Thursday we have an episode that airs, and uh thus far I have actually spoken with uh with Caroline on, uh, what was it, season three?
1: I think so, season yeah. three.
0: Yeah, and um, so she shared her story on the Craigslist uh, Files was the name of the episode and she is phenomenal. She is like my mentor mama, as I say, and she is the CEO of Safe and Harm's Way. Uh, if you wanna go ahead and just uh, briefly just explain what it is that you do. Sure, so safeandharmsway.org
1: is an online community for anyone who's navigating, and we don't call it domestic violence, we're a little sneaky that way. We call it the sadness, the worry, the lies, screaming, the fear, and the pain in your relationship. We do that because most people that we work with at Safe and Harm's Way would never have identified as being in an abusive relationship, but they sure could tell you how they're feeling. Were. sure could identify the feelings in their relationship, which are actually the hallmark red flags of abuse. So knowing that there's a few statistics around there that about 40% of the population doesn't even know that there are resources out there for people. Couple that with, sometimes if you would go to a, a place or a situation or a location, there's no room at the end or wait times are 12, 12 weeks long which I encourage people to do those wait times. But while you're waiting, Safe and Harm's Way is there for you to find online resources to your biggest needs for how to navigate, how to heal from, and then how to move into a beautiful after you've experienced relationship toxicity.
0: Hmm. That's amazing. I think it's Powerful stuff. Even just knowing like what you've gone through, and if you don't know, uh, Caroline's story, if you if you haven't listened to her story, I'd really suggest going and listening. It's on uh, season three under the Craigslist files. It's a really powerful episode. One of the craziest stories I've ever heard. And so, um, yeah, it's amazing what you're doing. It's just it's insane.
1: Well, thank you. It's. What we do is very unique and we fill a very specific niche. And unfortunately that niche encompasses about 10 million people every month. So mm-hmm. there's a need there for what we do at safeandharmsway.oregon. We are very honored to get to take our big bold steps into a next along the side of some incredible people who come to us for help.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, <laughs> just to switch gears for a minute. Um, so we are gonna be talking today about uh, really how to like navigate our words and the way we speak uh, to trauma survivors, as well as our responses as trauma survivors speaking to other trauma survivors. And I think that dialogue is is really important, and I think it's something that's often overlooked. I think we're so busy talking about, you know, what to do uh, when you're in an abusive relationship, or what to do once you get out. Um, and there's so much there in the aftermath of abuse. Uh, and I think sometimes it's easy to overlook how important it is to actually talk about how to handle it when we have loved ones or friends who are going through like an abusive relationship. And then, you know, we're confronted with this situation that we've maybe never walked through before, or maybe we have walked through before, but it didn't look anything like theirs. And uh, we were just talking before uh, we started recording. And I was saying how it can actually be pretty dangerous in the way that we communicate to others, because it's very, very hard to be brave and to speak out about abuse that's happening to you. And I think our, our words carry a lot of of weight and especially to a survivor of abuse, who's coming out and speaking out about something. And so, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a really necessary subject and I wouldn't want to have this conversation with literally anyone else. I'm so glad that we're talking about this.
1: I'm glad too. And I really love you call me your your mentoring mama, your mama mentor. I love that. Any chance that we get to talk is always fuel for my soul as well. So thank you for placing that confidence in me.
0: Yeah, no, of course. Um I'm happy to be I'm happy to be here and to talk about this. And I think it's it's crazy how like our experiences uh while at the time were like so so dark. Um I mean they really do pave way for connections that like we would never have met if it weren't for like the pain that we experienced. And now here we are like advocating on the other side. So I just think that's so beautiful and so powerful as well.
1: I do too.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay. So I have a question for you. Um, what are, so I know that you Uh, obviously are an abuse survivor. Uh, What are some things that you heard or may have been said to you that were not helpful when you were either in the relationship or leaving the relationship and trying to rebuild? I
1: won the lottery in very many ways. I won the lottery in that my friends and family rose up to the challenge and believed me from the beginning. Wow. There are two exceptions. And one of the exception was I got really, I mean, he's always been so nice to me. Hmm. And because the person that I decided to escape from and, and Maya, I'm going to charge you and I with this. I I'd love to come up with a word that's even bigger than survivor, because what we do is more than survive.
0: Hmm. We just
1: we, we resurrect ourselves. We offer redemption to other people. And I got to think of a better word. So you and I need to put our head around that. And if anybody's listening and has an idea for a new word, that's bigger and more bold than just survivor, please let us know.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I,
1: I have to come up with something, but, but because the nature of the abuse I experienced without my knowledge and without my consent was, At the hands of someone who was living a very secret double life and by everything I found on his computer, drugging me and allowing me to be raped and so there's that dynamic and I got from one person that I absolutely adore. I absolutely love and he said, Carolyn, how could you have not known. Now there's many reasons I could not have known I was being drugged. And even though there are times that my body was, was reacting in ways, you know, in randomness that, that I just attributed to, wow, well, maybe I worked out too hard. Or maybe when I went to cycling class and having to cycle on that seat, it, it irritated, you know, my body in different ways. It's another yeast infection. Never, never, ever, ever in a million years. In those signs and symptoms, would I have thought? I he's drugging me and letting other people rape. Me. Yeah, and if yeah. Bad, I had, I did a podcast with. A, well, you know, Sybil. I did a podcast with yeah. a licensed clinical therapist, and Sybil said, Carolyn, if you had gone to anybody and said that, we would have diagnosed you as manic and paranoid and probably put you on a three day cycle. Hmm. Wow. Um, so every time I talk about that particular nature of what I lived through, I get an email multiple or or different reach outs to saying, my life suddenly makes sense. My mm-hmm. life suddenly makes sense. All the physical symptoms suddenly make sense. It is a form of abuse that people work really hard to mm-hmm. institute. So it's really important. Those two phrases, and I've heard those two phrases, um, you can take how did you not know and you could put in, why didn't you just leave? Mm-hmm. Um, you could take the, well, he's always been nice to me, mm-hmm. you know, and and do add on, well, don't you think you're just really sensitive? Don't mm-hmm. you think maybe if you got over your own stuff, you wouldn't look at it that way? Mm-hmm. And those kinds of statements really negatively impact a person who is experiencing it. And Maya, you said it. If someone has the courage to speak what is happening to them, the amount of courage that takes in the face of being told, you don't matter, you're not important, you're crazy. If you speak that to someone and you don't, and it's not met with being believed, you might never speak of it again. Right. You can stay and continue to think it's your problem. And that shame right. of silence is where people do not get help.
0: Yeah. And I want to add to that. I think, uh, you know, also, uh, statements like, well, maybe you should like just submit more, um, or, well, we're called to forgive, uh, or I got this a lot, which was like, are you respecting him? Did you respect him? Um, while I was in it uh like being given like books to read and the s- steps to be a submissive wife which was like homemaking and like uh I don't know the way you dress and home make, which is just so crazy to me now uh but I think about right. that. anyways um but I think those are also uh things that are said I would say within the ch- Christian culture um yep. so I want to add those to there as well um, but I think, yeah, what are some others that you've heard before? I'm trying I,
1: think, to... I think it's really easy as people who have navigated domestic violence and maybe I see it more done online than I have in real life. Although I have seen it in real life, um, which is that could not have happened because you know, when I experienced abuse, this is what happened and this is what I did. And I never would have done what you did. and the shame that can come from other women who have navigated violence and if we could it it just astonishes me if we as women and people who have survived could band together to be a force of nature we we might be able to create some additional change but we will so readily dismiss another woman Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of our own experience and I had this happen once and in a, in a social situation. And this, this woman was really being mean and nasty to, to someone who said, well, this was my experience with abuse and this is what I did. And so I'll say person A was being really mean to person B and saying, you know, I don't believe you because, um, I experienced that kind of abuse too. And I didn't do what you did. So you have to be lying. and just kept digging in. And I I looked at her and I said, I don't believe you've ever told the truth. person a and she said what i said i don't i don't believe you've ever told the truth well carolyn you know me you know what i've done i said nope nope i don't believe it at all and she got manic and i said do you see what that feels like can you see that you just did that in a way meaner way than i just did to you right and if it didn't make you feel good and if it made you doubt yourself and it made you have that physical reaction what did you just do to person B. And so we netted out, we came to a resolution, but until it's given back to a person, they will stand on a pedestal and scream down at whoever they think needs to be put in their place, even after surviving that kind of abuse themselves. And there's nothing that makes me angrier than that kind of display from one human to another. And, you know, afterwards I I relooped with person A and I said, look, you know, I'm trying to make a point there and, and let's talk about it. Let's make sure we're okay on the same page. Let's make sure that you're processing things, but I, you were on a rant and there was no slowing you down at all. And that's detrimental to you. And it's detrimental to the person to which you cast your venom toward, right? So let's reloop, And we came out of a good place, but I thought there's no other way to, than to hold a mirror to her. Mm-hmm. as to what she is doing to another person. And right. and then, of course, right. we have to go back and reloop because I didn't want to leave her in that space. But, you know, there were so many attempts to, let's change a subject and let's acknowledge that this person's experience was different. And that experience is just as justified. And Ooh, there was no going in that direction. So I think as survivors, we really have to believe that someone's experience, while it might have been handled differently than you would have, that it is still valid and it is still to be believed. The other big thing that I think, and and this comes, I should say, Maya, this is perfect because at Safe and Harm's Way, we've we've been doing this since 2018. In the past year, I realized that we could do everything for survivors, but if we don't teach their friends, family, and coworkers how to respond, then we lose. Mm -hmm. And so does the survivor, we lose. And so I've spent the last quarter up until now, um, I, I've surpassed 57,000 people, corporations that I've spoken in front of, on how to have trauma-informed conversations and how to start by believing. I am to, alive today because people believed me. I firmly know that. And so if we can get people on the right track with coworkers, friends, and family, and, and that even sounds like I've, I've had the most amazing, amazing women who have decided to, to leave and hatched a plan and their very best friend in the whole world during that plan, when it gets really tough and you need support, say, you know what? I told you to leave him five years ago. Mm -hmm. If we don't teach it as, as friends, family, and coworkers, we have to start with believing. I see that right now is really hard for you and you're in the middle of it how best can I help you? Mm -hmm. Is it okay for me to send texts and check in on you? Can I help you with your kids and keep them for an afternoon? I, anything that's just, you don't have to change the world for people. You don't have to move heaven and earth. You just have to be a good human and say, I believe you. And how can I help?
0: And I think even like you said, like adding in practical, uh, practical tools to help somebody, I think, Sometimes, well-intentioned as we are, we don't know how to help, so we end up not doing anything, Right. and we look back years later, and we're like, I really wish I would have shown up for that person, or, you know, oh, I just really wish that I would have done things differently, and I think showing up in very simple ways, like, can I take your kid for an hour to the park so that you can rest? Or what's your favorite meal? Do you want me to cook something for you? Or, you know, like, I don't think so simple. I think that really goes a long way for somebody who is going through this type of situation.
1: It does. And the beauty thing is you, you don't have to solve their problems. So for me, one of the things that that helped me is that I had friends and family and coworkers who would randomly text me and say, I'm just thinking about you. And they'd get really specific. And this is actually what I teach when I talk in front of corporations and, and in large groups, they were really specific. You know what I love about you, Carolyn? I love that no matter what room you walk into, you were eager to talk to everyone there. Mm-hmm. I love that when you smile, it makes my whole heart happy. I love the way I see you parents, your kids. You know what I remember about you, Carolyn? I remember in the fourth grade that we laughed so hard that we got sent to the principal's office. You remember it was in science and it was like really specific things mm-hmm. that you can you can do to another person randomly. and that's And that's even a good point. If you think somebody's in a relationship or you're with them and you don't really like the person they're with. You can do that too. You can just send them random text messages because I I have known people's guts are spot on accurate. So if you feel like your friend is in a little bit of distress, then reach out to them and just say, hey, you know, I want to let you know I'm a safe space. I want to let you know there is nothing that you can tell me that I'm not going to believe you. And I want you to know that I see this in you. I see how you treat the world and get very specific. What that does is allow you to be seen as a safe space. So when somebody who's navigating that sadness, worry, lies, screaming, fear, and pain, they know you're a safe place to go to. And on the receiving end, you can even say, if someone comes up to you and, and, oh my gosh, I I have to tell you something, this happened last night. You just have to lean in and say, I'm so glad you told me. I'm here to listen. Mm -hmm. I don't think I have all the answers, but I am your friend and I'll commit to finding what I can for you. How can I best help you? And that's another key part, give control back. How can I best help you? So that the person has the opportunity to take a little bit of control in their life and say, you know what? If you could deliver Thursday dinner of lasagna, that would be great. You know what would be great? If you could pack my kids lunch on Wednesday and Friday. Anything that allows a person to take back control Allows them to emerge from shame and silence and then actually have the brain capacity to seek the resources they need for health and happiness, not only for themselves, but for their children and pets as well.
0: Yeah. What would you say to somebody who maybe has told a friend to leave or a family member to leave? And then, you know, that insidious cycle of abuse is just you know, going like a hamster wheel, what would you say to somebody who's listening? Like, because I think people get really frustrated and it's really hard not to take that personal. Um, when somebody is not listening, cause you're like, I see that this isn't healthy for you. And you just kind of want to like shake someone out of it, but you can't because it it, it doesn't work like that. Um, Can you explain just in brief uh, the cycle of abuse so that people can understand often why it is that people stay and why it is really so hard for somebody to get out of that relationship?
1: Great question. There's a couple tentacles to that. The first tentacle is that when someone confides in you about what's happening, they may not tell you everything out of fear, out of shame, out of sadness. So there could be you know, what they're experiencing in a relationship, but there also could be that the person has no control over their bank account. So consequently, no money that the person has said, if you leave, I will kill the children and you'll live forever without your kids. Um, There's all kinds of threats that people can't even begin to say out loud. So I, when I talk to folks and I stand in front of people, I say, what I'm about to tell you is the Easiest and hardest thing you'll ever hear. You just have to keep offering support because there are, if you've been told maybe two or three instances, there's probably another 52 behind those of what they're not saying. And that all contributes to someone being able to leave. The other part that is very vital to remember, and if I could put marching bands and fireworks around this point right now, In the United States of America, you have a 75% chance of being killed in the first three months of when you leave an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. If there are guns in the home, it used to be a 500% increased chance of being killed. It is now a 1,000 increased chance of being killed if there are also guns in the home associated with domestic violence. Domestic violence is the number one way that women in the United States die during pregnancy. At two times the rate of placenta problems are blood problems. So you saying to someone, you just need to leave, the chances that they're going to be killed statistically are massive. And you take those massive statistics and you couple them with all the things you might not know and the intimacies of that relationship. And you have to just keep saying, I believe you and I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. If you want to send me a code on a text message that I'm to call the police, I always use music. I'm a live music fan. So mine was in decades. If I was talking about Rick Springfield, everything was great. And I'm 54 years old. Rick Springfield is 74. Ladies, if you haven't heard of him, he was a big thing. If I talk about Rick Springfield back in the day, everything's fine. <laughs> if I talk about, um, I forget who I used for the, for the 90s. But if I got to the 2000s and talked about Foo Fighters, call the cops. Mm-hmm. And it might just be, oh, my God, did you see that news picture of Dave Grohl? Isn't he hot? Foo Fighters, boom, call the cops. You send a message, you create a safe space for someone that someone can rattle off a text to you and you know whether or not to call the police and keep them there or get them there, then that's a way to be of service and of friendship to a person who's navigating abuse, not put yourself in in danger as well. And also allow them to navigate that pathway, because what's going on behind the scenes? And statistically, it is the most dangerous time for someone to leave.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a great idea. Uh, having like code words. I'm trying to think. I think I had. I want to say we had code words as well. Back When I was in my relationship as well um but I think yeah especially like in that time right before someone leaves such a dangerous time and like usually emotions are so heightened and uh, I don't know where I'm going with that my brain's like (laughs) (laughs) well you're right it's all it's all emotional and if
1: you can't I've given actually I've given counsel when I've worked with people and I gotta ask a lot of questions but mm-hmm. I was working with someone and she wanted to leave right away. Like she was taking the kids and I said, Where are you going to take them? And she said, Um, I don't know. I'm just going to get a hotel. And if I can't find a place to rent by Monday, then I guess I'll just go back. And I mm-hmm. said, In some states he could charge you with kidnapping because you didn't you didn't plan that out. And if you don't have a safe space for people for your kids, he's gonna charge he's gonna claim neglect. Right. So you really have to have a plan. Now, if he's harming you and physically your children or your pets, all bets are off. But if you are decided you've tired, I mean, call the police, get out, do whatever you have to do. The house is on fire. In essence, I remember standing in my house thinking, well, this house is on fire and I'm staying in it to save that blue chair over there because it's mine and I'm not leaving without it. Ridiculous, right? If your house is literally or figuratively on fire, get out. But if you have the opportunity to make sure you and your children have a safe space to go, that's better. That's better than, and you can plan that. You can plan that between the highs and lows of the relationship and you can put it away little by little to make an overall plan that allows you to be safe when you do choose to navigate your after.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point having a safety plan is, is super important. And I think even for, yeah, like I would say if you are a friend and you have, you know, a friend who's in an abusive relationship or a family member, it's always just best, I think, to get an advocate involved. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you are like, yes, this is me, you can even reach out to me or, um, I can put Carolyn's like, uh, tag as well in here. Uh, and then we can either help you or, uh, you know, lead you to the other people as well that can help you. But um, I think it's it's always best to have someone walking alongside of you that's like an advocate as well. But I remember uh, I even had like a bag that I put in the closet with like an extra pair of X amount of clothes and we would keep that there just in case. And like, as much as my friends were like, you know, we support you, we're here for you. They didn't know what to do. Like they'd never been in this situation before, you know? And one of my friends took me to a fellow uh, survivor and she was like, this is what you do. And she had that safety plan written up and she gave me the rundown on everything from A to Z. And I was so grateful, you know, Uh, because if something had happened, uh, I was prepared and I was ready. Um, so being able to have that I think also um as a like something that we did that I thought was really good advice was uh, and I don't know what you think about this but um my ex-husband he knew most of like the locations where like my family lived so um some of my newer friends um would connect me with like family members or people that were okay with if something happened and I needed a safe place to go, um, like for the night or a couple of nights or whatever, I could stay there. And uh that was something that my friends like set up for me. So it like took the, the pressure off of me to have to find like a safe space to be. And like my community helped me to know that like there was a place I could go if like in the middle of the night I needed to get out of the house with our son mm-hmm. and go somewhere safe. And I have that bag packed in the hallway and then a house to stay across town.
1: I, I think that's an incredible idea. There's two things that I'll point out mm-hmm. that you can get, you can get 24 seven help from my favorite source of that is domestic shelters.org domestic org. You can plug in your zip code and it'll pop up every single domestic violence shelter in your zip code. You don't have to live at a shelter in order to access their services. So if you call their 800 number or their their 24/7 emergency line, there is an advocate always on call to help you with that plan. So that's one that's one thing to do as well. I'll give you a sneak peek. Um, I was approached by a woman uh, who works across the country, and we're going to talk about a partnership where it's almost like Caring Bridge and Meal Train combined. So you connect your connections to their connections and a, a survivor will make a list of the things they need. One of it may be a place to stay and you spread the word and the, their automatic software connects all your connections into this beautiful web and people start signing up and saying, I can help do that. I can help do that. I do help. I can help do that. Then that way, people who don't know how to do anything, but have a place to sign up for all the needs will do it and so yeah. we can connect people that way that'll be the conversation is is being started now but that's eventually where we'll we'll get to and we'll roll that out from safe and harmless way nationwide
0: yeah that's amazing i love yeah
1: that. yeah me too um
0: so what would you say are some things that I don't know like i i'm trying to like put myself in a friend or family's situation because like i really i know that there's going to be people who are listening to this who may be like are just really confused about how to help somebody and i think we've given some some good points here of saying like okay here are some things that are common to say that you may not even realize are kind of offensive but are or maybe like harmful for someone to hear What do you think is something else that we haven't touched on like I feel like we're not covering everything
1: oh I feel like we would probably need a weekend and a full like many brought to us three (laughs) days three meals a day in order to cover it all I think we're hitting I think we're hitting the top lines which are I I did write some content about this on on LinkedIn today Mm -hmm. um and it's it has to do it it's applicable to domestic violence but it's also applicable to sexual assault So it's back to school time for college students. And 1.8 million women will be sexually assaulted on college campuses this year. So 1.8 million will be sexually assaulted. Only 30% of them will ever report that that assault happened. And when they do, almost 100% of the time, they go to their friends. Now, what are some of the things friends say? Friends can say in that instance, you know what? I told you to leave with me why'd you stay why'd you stay at that party or how much did you have to drink or again you know what i don't really see him being violent like that at all because he's always been nice to me Mm -hmm. you can apply those same things with sexual assault keep in mind the statistics show that if if a person who survived sexual assault is met with that kind of response they will not speak about that assault for decades and on average the next time that someone speaks about an assault like that is in their fifties. And that has haunted them for decade after decade. The same kind of things can be said of, you know what? I told you when you first started dating him, I didn't like him. Mm-hmm. You know what? I? His I, Look at his parents. They fight all the time. Why did you think that that was a good idea? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, you were in this relationship and you decided to have kids. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Those are horrible things to say.
0: Yeah, they are. Yeah. So anytime,
1: anything that's going to come out of your mouth that is judgmental or like the example I gave, if you put in a mirror in front of you and said it to yourself about anything of your lived experience, do not let it come out of your mouth to another person. If you One, want to say it to yourself, do not let it come out of the mouth of another per- to another person.
0: I think something else I was thinking is like, um. I think when you haven't experienced it yourself, I don't think people necessarily mean to do this, but I think it's easy to kind of place yourself on a pedestal and be like, um, well, I would never do that. Like yeah. I, that, would never, that would never be me. And if you're lacking compassion, asking yourself why you're lacking compassion, because I know that there was a, a point in time where family members that I had there was a woman uh within my family like she wasn't in my immediate family but she uh she was in an abusive relationship and she kept going back and I remember just thinking like there's no like like how how many times are you gonna go back before you realize that this guy is gonna just keep hitting you like I don't get it and then like I would be not, like not sympathetic towards it because I'd be like, well, like she knows that he's like this. And so she keeps going back, you know? And then I think I honestly had this perspective kind of like, oh, well, I-, I would never do that. So then it felt like I was like able to cast this like almost judgment on her. And then, you know, fast forward, I'm now in the situation I am. And like, I think about that time and I remember those thoughts I used to have, you know, cause I used to get so frustrated with her um and knowing now like you know it's not you you don't think it's going to be you until it is you exactly and the cycle of abuse is so very real and I mean those are all different subjects that I think we could do mini series on of you know trauma bonding and all the things but I think you know if you really look at it and you if you're lacking that compassion say like this could be me like yes this could be me and like how would I want to be responded to if this were me because like you're no like you're not like nobody is exempt from it like it could happen to anybody could happen to you you know
1: you're so right and I think inherent is that in that is also the remembering that abuse doesn't start out as abuse abuse starts out as love so so it starts out as roses and incredible sex and fun things and you know poetry and great dinners and it starts out as that and it slowly sleeps in seeps in over time I really don't think that if you went on a first date and somebody held off and slapped you across the face that you would see them again mm-hmm. if you've been in a relationship for a while and you've had these these great highs and maybe some ups and downs and all of a sudden you get slapped well then the apology comes oh my gosh I'm so sorry And there's like this, there's years of, I'm so sorry. I'm just so troubled. I've had a horrible childhood and nobody ever loved me and my family. And things are really horrible. Were horrible for me at home. And I just lost, I lost my temper. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Those kinds of apologies and promises for change. We built an entire campaign around it called the last I'm sorry. Apologies that come with zero change. And that happens for years. And then it morphs from, From that into, you know what, I only do this because you push me Mm -hmm. to do it. I only do it because you didn't clean the house. I only do it because you were not a good mom. And I know that we've been talking about women as as, as men as the perpetrator. And I realize that it can be both statistically, though, folks, let's be honest. It's men causing the violence against women at a higher rate than anything, than, than any reverse. So it, it morphs into that. And so by the time you're, you know, years in, I won't even put a, a, a year time stamp on it, but by the time you're years into this relationship and it turns from, I'm so sorry and I won't do it again to I only do this because you are horrible. You've already been dismantled from the inside out. You've already been accepting apologies without change. And now when you're made to feel like you deserve it, you kind of start to believe, well, I guess I do. And that makes it hard for people to get out of the cycle um, of abuse. And it makes it really hard for families to recognize what's going on. It's a lot easier to deflect and say, oh, my daughter would never allow that to happen to her. And to actually ask why she showed up at Thanksgiving with bruises. Because if you have to ask that, well then you have to acknowledge that it's happening. Mm-hmm. So family, friends, and coworkers will also often turn a blind eye over what's happening. And then it keeps the, the person experiencing it sitting there thinking, I don't even know how to to speak what's happening at home and people are seeing the bruises and saying nothing. Or you're in a public, a public setting and you're being demeaned at a party and all your friends say nothing. And and you're thinking, well, certainly someone would stand up for me if this wasn't okay. You start to believe you deserve it. Mm -hmm. And that cycle can happen to everyone. No one is exempt.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, Uh, What would you say my last one of my, I think this is my last question It's just like, what are things that I, how do i say this i guess like for people who come across this and they're trying to gauge like okay where is my friend or family member at because there's a there's a a process in this like uh how far along that they are like whether they're able to what is it called not the cycle of abuse but the There's like a wheel where it's like it shows like the wheel of power and control. No, like where it 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 really just now I can say that it that since everyone knows, it really is my stroke brain. The stroke brain is so real because I've come out publicly about my stroke. I'm Um, so
1: proud of you for doing that.
0: (laughs) So I'm like, man, like the amount of like edits I have to do from like just like these random like causes where i'm like i can like feel the words but i can't find them um but i'm gonna leave this here for everybody to listen to my boss um what is it it's like where um depending on how far along you are after abuse like you maybe are in completely denial in denial or maybe you are starting to learn to accept it you know what i'm talking about I'm not sure that I do. I wish I would help you. I could,
1: pull. I would help pull it out, but I'm not sure. I'm not, are you talking, do you mean like
0: the love bombing cycle or do, do you mean? There's, like, there's this like wheel that my therapy showed me once and it was like something and it was like to, to show you how far along that a survivor may be on. And it's like a test that you can take and it can tell you like where someone's at in like, Like from like, I am in an abusive relationship and I just got into one to like, I am now realizing that I'm in an abusive relationship and I'm ready to leave. Okay. That sounds really cool. And in all my eight years of therapy of which I've had like
1: many, many different modalities, I have never had somebody show me that. So I'll do some homework on it because I'm not familiar with it. I'm not, and i I'm even trauma certified coach, so I'm not familiar, but I'll do my homework and we can report back because I'm not sure I've never, I've never been asked and I've never used it myself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they. So my therapist showed it to me last year when I had a lot of women coming forward because I was like, I don't know how to know how far along people are, what fa- like phase they're in because how do you know if somebody is just in complete denial or if they're like actually ready to get out? And um, she gave me this like link to this test that you could take and it was really helpful. And she was like, yeah, I'll have to, I'll find it for you. I'll ask her and, and have it sent. But I guess what would you say are, some things that you can like look out for and kind of maybe gauge where someone is in the process of like they're in complete den- denial and like anything I say probably is just gonna go straight over their head to like I think they're ready to leave because I think that's a, kind of the hard part for a lot of, of friends, friends that they don't know where they're at and I think if you speak too much you could risk the you could risk losing that person or them just shutting you out completely. So I think that's why a lot of people just don't say anything because they they don't want to like burn the bridge. Um and I think as you know people would burn a bridge because uh people get really defensive and they don't want anything that's gonna go against the person that they're, you know, with and in love with. Right. I think I guess how can people respond depending on what phase they're
1: Um, Well, okay, I'm going to say this, Maya, and and I you might laugh at the recognition of it based on (laughs) conversations. Um, I always lead with. I have a thought about that. Is it okay for me to share it with you?
0: (laughs) You say that to me all the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and that's the gauge because you don't
0: know. Pardon I said stop, that's the gauge. That's the gauge. <laughs>
1: that's the gauge. Because for me, you really don't know yeah. where somebody's at. You and that can change from 10 a.m. to 2:30 p.m. to 7 p.m. in a day. So when I'm working with people professionally or just in my normal course of conversation, people have to be ready to hear what you're gonna say. And so the question becomes. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that right now you're you're feeling like you want to leave this relationship. Is that true? Yes, that is true. Okay. I have a couple ideas about that. Is it okay that I share them with you? Because there is a difference between someone admitting that and then being even ready to take a next step. Sometimes all they want to do is get that spit out of their mouth into the world so it doesn't seem so big and massive inside their body. And so when you put it out in the world, it seems okay. Okay, the world is big and wide. What I just said is is big to me, but small in comparison to the world. And I just needed to get it out of my body. If they're not ready for the next step, you charging in with 10 things they can do doesn't matter. So you have to really ask somebody whether they're ready to hear that. And you know what the beauty of that is? That works in every relationship every relationship, whether it's a friend, whether it's family, whether it's co-worker, whether it's related to domestic violence, whether, whether they're going through IVF therapy, whether they've just lost their parent, whether they've just lost their job. I'm so glad that you're sharing this with me. Thank you. Because as your friend, I want to be there to support you. Mm-hmm. I have an idea. Are you open to hearing it? Mm-hmm. And that allows you to meet the person where they're at. Again, we're not talking about solving the world's problems in one instance, but we are starting because also what I may decide is the priority for them, they may not even have it on their list of the first 20 things they want to do. So that's why asking for permission and then and then giving it, and then that person being able to slot what you had to say in the myriad of things that are running through their head is what causes the next conversation to feel comfortable and safe with you, which Mm -hmm. causes the next conversation to be comfortable and safe with you. And the more comfortable and safe conversations you can have with someone, the more you get the full picture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Who would have known that you were using your... (laughs) I was using my magic voodoo. You were using your magic (laughs) in me. Jeez. Um, Okay. One last thing that I... I keep saying one last thing. One last thing that I just thought of uh that you should not say is um uh I'll need proof. Yes. <laughs> this is a big one that I've heard. I actually have heard this so many times people who want proof. Um and I'm like I think that's very harmful. I think that like you said, erring on the side of believing somebody and believing their words, but I think that it's <laughs> I think there. I don't know what you think. Do you think that there's like an entitlement from people or why do you think that people, yeah, I do. Well, and also I was just having a conversation
1: about this with family today and we were sitting around on this dive bar with the best burgers, you know, on like a greasy grill. It was amazing. And we were (laughs) sitting around and, and my cousin Stan said, what people have to understand is they have also built in their head an image and a persona of the person that you come to them to talk about. And sometimes the hardest thing is believing that they were wrong about who that person really is. Wow. And I I said, oh, my gosh, Dan, I need you to write that down for me because it's so true. There there is, you're going to come to someone who thinks that your boyfriend or girlfriend is the most amazing human in the whole world, and you're going to tell the backstory of that hidden monster at home. That means the person you're speaking to has got to rectify in their brain, whoa, that is completely opposite of what I know that person to be. And so instead of thinking I could be wrong, the go to response is, well, I'm going to need proof. Mm -hmm. Because um, they can't be wrong. Yeah. And it's not, and I'm not casting blame, blame or shame in this component. It purely is a human reaction. And I thought Dan stated that so perfectly. He's like, no one wants to believe that who they thought was a great person is not a great person. Mm-hmm. They'd have to adjust their entire universe around that person. And that's too much to take in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Wow. I've never thought of it like that. Um, I've always just kind of been like, gosh, like it's just entitlement that people want proof, um, people we know, but I think that's a good point that it, I mean, it challenges their very perception of the way that they perceived this individual. Um, and so it's easier to, to say, well, I need some proof. I need you to prove this to me. Mm -hmm. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. I think, I, and then if people can remember that, then maybe they don't take
1: it as personally, although I think it's still you know, a big pointed direct jab, but, but it really has nothing to do with the person who's speaking about what they experience at home. And it has everything to do with the life of the receiver being thrown a cold bucket of water in the face on who they thought this relationship and this person was.
0: Would you say that silence speaks volumes? Like, would you I say do, silence is speaking a
1: I do think that silence speaks volumes. But I don't think, I think silence speaks volumes when you're in a group and someone is being horrifically horrible to their significant other in the group. I think that silence doesn't speak volumes in support of the person issuing the nastiness. I think it speaks volumes in, I have no idea what to do here. And and that's why it's so vital to be talking to friends, family, and coworkers about the little things you can do. And in that situation, it's just as easy as saying that was unacceptable. Or if you choose not to say anything to the person who's issuing the nastiness, then loop around with the person who was on the receiving end and say, I just got to tell you, can I can I can I talk to you about something? I gotta say that what was said to you in front of the group that wasn't cool. It wasn't kind. And I'm your friend. If you ever need anything, come talk to me. And it's it's either one, either you do stand up and, and say something in front of the aggressor, or you loop around for to the person on the receiving end and say I'm here for you, and that wasn't cool. I need you to know that. Um, I've done both. I have done both.
0: One thing I think I mean more like if if um you have a if you have mutual friends and you know one is saying the other abuses them and then you just say nothing and you just don't reach out at all, or maybe you reach out to the abuser and not the one that had been abused, would you say silence speaks volumes?
1: Does it make sense? It does. I just I'm gonna have to think of the the response because for me, and you might laugh when I say this, Maya. For yeah. me, that comes back to boundaries. If there is a person in your life who would do that, then they don't deserve to be in your life anymore.
0: I agree 100%.
1: And so if that's the way it is, I don't really, I, so I, I guess I, I, I guess there is that, that then, that, that silence or if their alliance with the, um with the abuser speaks volumes, they don't deserve to be in your life anymore. I just had to have a very difficult conversation with a woman I'm working with that says his family are no longer yours. You telling them your intimate secrets, I got to tell you when people's safety, when their freedom, when their mask is about to be shattered onto the ground, everything changes. And if you are giving information to the family, you are harming yourself. It's the same thing. You don't keep going back to the people who who went after you've explained something. If, if they can't process it and it turns out to be not a slow learning curve, but an outright disregard for your feelings, well, then that boundary means I don't care who they are. You don't have to hang out with them anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really hard sometimes to tell the difference. I will say, if your body is telling you how you feel around a certain person, act on that. Even if you can't name it, even if you can't you know, pinpoint it on something, if you notice that every time you're around Mark, your stomach hurts, you feel anxious, you're a little bit worried about what's going to happen, Mark's not your person. And I guarantee you, when you put boundaries in place with people like that, the best people come into your life because you started to listen to your body and you started to listen to value your own feelings. And when you tell somebody something and they use that against you, then that does speak volumes of who they are as a person, not to your experience. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's where I got hung up because I don't think it speaks volumes about who you are as a person. It speaks volumes about them for sure.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's, I think, I guess I'm just for people who are listening. I think that (laughs) there are so many people who are genuinely good people. I believe that, but who were silent in regards to like, my situation and i know lots lots and lots of people who i did like a poll a while back because i was just i was like i mean i know i've talked to you about how i feel like there's not like my support system is it's tough i think the more years that go by the harder it gets i think for people to to be interested in like it really takes people it really takes like a special heart to be able to like be steadfast alongside of somebody in something. Oh, I like-, like that word. Yeah. Steadfast, yeah. Um, I can get one word tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you pulled um, out a good one. I'm proud of you. Yeah, thank you. Um but I think like I I did a poll because I was like feeling lonely and I was like, I am like curious, like are people feeling supported? Because so I was like, I don't feel supported. And I was like, I'm not going to put on my story. Like, I, feel, I don't feel supported today. But I was like, you know, I want to see if other survivors feel supported or how how they're feeling by the reactions that people are giving them since they left. And I want to say like 80% were like, I don't feel like supported at all. And or like, I don't, I feel completely alone. And that broke my heart, but it also validated me because I was like, okay, like this is like, this is like a main, we all have this issue. It's not just like, I mean, those are who are lucky who do have a great support system. Great. I am like super happy for them because that is really necessary. But I think a lot of people just don't know how to interact with people who have been through trauma and it's easier to just not say anything than to say something. And I think there's a lot of good people in my life that, Never said anything. And some have apologized since then. Some I haven't. And our friendships are done. Like in right. life. Um, but I think that for people who are listening who I know you're listening for a reason. Um uh, and I don't know. It's just still I feel like this very simple line of like, just don't be that person. Like right. as hard as it is to know what to say like I really do believe that you're like only excused as much as like like you may be ignorant on a subject or uneducated on a subject but like you're only excused so much until you listen to something or you start to educate yourself and you don't know what you don't know until you know it and so now yeah. that you know it now you apply it and there's really no excuse after that point and I think that showing up for people in your life is so important. I think it speaks a lot of, about your own integrity, but I also think extending that compassion towards other people changes everything because for people who've gone through traumatic experiences, sexual assault, abuse, and so on, um, when they open up and they tell you something really hard, um, I think that it, while it may be uncomfortable or it may bring like a discomfort to us who have, you know, people who may not understand that or who may not have not had those experiences, it can be easier to like withdraw or to just not say anything um or to just not get involved because you think it's better to just not get involved but you know your participation in people's lives it means something and I think you're listening to this for a reason and I think that there's just like so much wisdom in this episode because I think it just like this just like barely like opens the door like there's so much here that we could talk about for like hours but I think really just I think something that is at the core of this that I feel very strongly is really just like don't be that person like be somebody who is a good friend but also somebody who isn't afraid to walk through the hard stuff alongside of somebody and it really doesn't have to look that hard like literally just like can I (laughs) Like drop some groceries off for you or, you know, do you need help picking up your kids from school? Whatever it is, like, that's it. You don't need to come up with, you don't need to be their therapist. You just need to be their friend, you know? Exactly.
1: Yeah. So if people take one thing away from this, and I do believe that people, when they don't know how to do something and they're afraid of doing something wrong in such a a serious situation, they do nothing because that seems like the safer thing. So if people can take one thing away from this, just start by believing. And it is simple as saying, I'm so glad you shared this with me. I'm going to believe whatever you tell me. And I love you and I'm your friend. Yeah, That's it. Say that and then send them the text like we talked about of really specific things randomly. I had people send books. I had people from my grade school reach out that say, hey, your Facebook looks different. I noticed there's someone missing. Just wanna let you know I'm thinking about you. They didn't ask any questions. They didn't say, are you okay? They, You know, all these things that you think maybe they should have done. They just said, I see you. I think something might be going on with you. I just wanna let you know I'm thinking about you or I'm praying for you or I'm gonna meditate for you. Just acknowledge what you see. And say, I'm a safe space for you to keep talking when you want. Mm. And there's magic there. And it seems like nothing. And it is massive. It is as if you just handed somebody this beautiful bouquet of roses and said, you're amazing. And all you did was say, I see you. I noticed this. I'm a safe <laughs> space.
0: Yeah. I love that. Bye. There's magic there. I love that phrase. There's magic there.
1: There's magic there.
0: We said we were only going to do 30 minutes. I know, but Maya, every time you and I talk, we
1: say like 30 minutes and then it's like an hour and 15 minutes later. I
0: was like, I'm so tired. I was like, 30 minutes, cap it, 30 minutes. And then we're like, keep talking. I'm like, okay, one more thing. (laughs) One more thing. thing. But I think, you know, we're having great dialogue.
1: We're having a conversation. I hope we're giving something to people. Um, that they can, you know, think about it. If, if you have a suggestion of something we didn't we didn't cover, hit me up on Instagram at either Caroline Markle Hammond. Hop in my DMs. Give it. Give me your suggestion. Um, over at Safe and Harm's Way on Instagram as well. Send us a message. Um, you can even email at info at safeandharmsway dot And you know, maybe we'll start putting together a list, my of all the things that people can say. Um yeah that that would be pick you know pick out those those nuggets and uh and share them around for people to be able to just have a simple showing up for another human
0: yeah it's a good idea uh maybe i'll do like a little questionnaire thingy on yeah. stories and yeah things to say um all right well, you guys, thanks for listening. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Caroline, thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, I'm super grateful that you are willing to take uh some time to speak with me. And yeah, there's just there's a lot here. And I'm, I don't know, I think this is such an important uh episode because I think like the more that we can we're just not talking about this. There's so much that we're not talking about, but I think like connecting with people on the outside who may be faced with these conversations and have no idea how to handle it. Like it's a ripple effect and it's going to affect like the way you respond to people is going to affect their ability to like thrive. And so I think I'm so busy, like talking to, to like women who've been abused that I don't really, I don't, I get a few here and there who are like, I don't know how to handle this situation. Help me. But like, I feel like there needs to be advocacy and it, in and of itself just for family and friends. So
1: Yeah, that's what that's the brand, that's what me as a brand, which seems so weird to say, but Safe his Way will always have their lane of direct, you know, offerings to people navigating abuse. But for me, I'm I'm gonna be taking the friends, family, and coworkers avenue to edge and judges and lawyers. I include those in friends and family, um, advocates, police officers, people that really need to have the message heard. Um of how to respond in trauma-informed ways and the feedback that that, we're, that I'm getting from this. I'm a big data geek, so I collect it all. Um, highly rated and people are, are completing the webinars and people are completing the trainings because they are hungry to know how to help others. And I have to believe that in there, that group, based on the feedback and the talks that I have, there are people who stay silent out of fear of making a bad situation worse. So if we can just get the silent people, to start just with the simple, I'm here for you, man, we've, we've changed the paradigm already.
0: Mm. Yeah. I love it. All right, guys. Um, so I'll go ahead and I'll tag you here and then, um, I'll put that story up soon where we can kind of go through, you know, maybe things we missed that you've maybe heard and, uh, Things that have helped you, things that you wish someone maybe would have sent to you, all the things. Um, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, next Thursday there will be another episode. Uh, if you've been impacted by what was her name, uh, it always helps to have uh, you rate the podcast on Spotify or on Apple Podcast. You can leave a review, which uh, helps other people to know others' experiences as well as boost the podcast. So, uh, again, thank you for listening. I really appreciate you guys. Thanks, guys. Bye.